Good day. You're listening to European Buddha. It's the 23rd of September and we are still here in Brussels at the AGM meeting, annual gathering, annual gathering meeting of the EBU. <laughs> and we had yesterday a wonderful workshop by the Ikodama group and we were speaking with one of the participants and uh, lecturers in this uh, workshop, Gunaketu. Hello. Hello. And uh, very nice. We said we are sitting right here in the garden uh, of an old uh, monastery and uh, we are speaking about Ekodama and sustainability. And we are very happy that you uh, took your time and willing to do this with us. Well, thank you for uh, kind of inviting me uh, both to the EBU and to this lovely garden. It just seems... Uh, Just uh, kind of moving to to come, as it were, from out in the sticks in Norway, where I live, in the sticks of Europe, and uh, come here to Brussels, both today at the, as it were, heart of the European Buddhist Union, but also it's like through time, it's like my ancestors will have traveled through Europe to meet, you know, on pilgrimage or to go to Jerusalem or you know, to other pagan sites, and and then now to sit in this. Uh, gardens of this cloister or ex-cloister talking with my fellow Buddhists about uh, how to practice the Dharma today. It's uh, amazing. So thank you. Thank you and warmly welcome. Um, what brought you here to this um, yearly meeting? Well, um, for quite a while I've been interested in sustainability or justice or Uh, what my teachers calls the new society and, and using the Dharma Buddhism to, to make that happen. But uh, only in August I was given a part-time position from the Norwegian Buddhist Federation to work to promote sustainability amongst Buddhists in Norway and encourage young adults to practice the Dharma. So As soon as I got started, I heard about Jake and the Ecodharma group in the EBU, and of course I wanted to know what they're doing and who they are and so forth, and Jake immediately invited me you know, to join this workshop. And immediately it's just very good to meet these fellow Buddhists who are so interested in the same thing and actually get stuck right in to find out what we do um, yeah so that's that's what brought me here thank you so yesterday we were in the same uh, working group with Martin do you remember what we did yes it was a very nice uh, working group and we were encouraged uh, to to gather around several topics and our topic was um, being in nature and activities in nature connecting with nature protecting nature And, uh, yeah, we had some very nice exchange. Yeah. So what is the action that you will make when you go back home? Um, I had several ideas in my mind. Um, I love to camp. I love camping. Mm. And um, either I will camp alone, would be also an action, or inspire people mm. to, to come with me. Because uh, if you have less resources in all your senses... I think it's a very nice uh, way to connect with nature. You understand how little you actually need and you have enough. It's incredible. Mm. 
mm. something we forget when we're in busy city lives. What was your inspiration after this? My inspiration was um, to go and swim in open waters uh, because in Finland the waters are in quite bad shape, especially the Baltic Sea. And mm. it good to people to really get to understand what the situation is and to encourage to make uh, actions to make it better. Mm -hmm. That's something. Also just being silent in nature is something that I really would like to encourage people to do. Um, just being silent in the nature. It can happen if we go to nature, we have a very loud talk and we forget that we're actually um, going into somebody's home that is living in the nature or the birds and, and other animals there. So how to get to respect. And I think that was one of the reasons also for this uh, exercise to connect with nature because when you connect and you understand that you want to protect it and uh, we are part of the nature and we do not want to harm ourselves or others as well so it was really nice reminder of important things in life yeah, yeah. and uh, Gunnar you you or I just called you just Gunnar <laughs> Do people call you Gunnar? Yeah, some people, some people, most people, I think, uh, uh, think that uh, since uh, Gunnar Kato is a strange name, and then they find out that I'm ordained to the Theravada Buddhist order, and then it's kind of, oh, uh, we must better respect this fella, this strange fella, and then make sure that we pronounce his name right. Uh, but I'm pleased to hear that you feel free to say just Gunnar. <laughs> and what does it mean? Well, Guna uh, is a Sanskrit name, uh, means something like precious or something uh, valuable. So, you know, if you call me precious, you know, that's uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, My uh, precious. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not in that sense, but hey. Uh, um, and then Ketu is a comet or a fire, or so the initial meaning uh, my preceptor drew out was that of a precious flame. Mm. And I very much like. The image, like when I'm meditating and just seeing or lighting a candle in front of the Buddha, so that I can be that candle lighting up the Buddha. Um, and then uh, he pulled out and the secondary meaning, apparently, that could mean he who carries the banner of victory. And I think that is, in a sense, it's, it's coming more to the foreground as I'm, uh, you know, now leaning even more into this uh, engaged Buddhism or the eco-dharma and really, you know, it's just so delightful to hear about your inspiration from the workshop and, you know, like your love of camping and, you know, going swimming in the wild and you want to encourage people to do that. And so then to, to lead people or facilitate people or even tell people that it is possible to swim in the wild or to go camping. And to loads of people these days, they don't know how. And I think this is so sad because, as, as you said, um, if you don't love nature or care about nature, you're not going to protect it. And so, so really taking that to heart and then uh, meeting people at their different levels 
so that with with you fellows, you know, we might go camping together and we just naturally know how to build fires and mm. you may set up tents or hammocks and just survive. Mm. Uh, and that's great. Mm. Let's do that. And then there are all these other people who were never exposed to that. So, so they don't know how to do that. And they don't know how to be comfortable. And, you know, you need to make, bring a mosquito net if you're going to meditate in the forest in Norway in the summer. And, you know, all these things, you know, because with that, it's really too tough. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think that are kind of, uh, you know, being part. And sometimes, occasionally, I've been in demonstrations and people will go under a banner. So mm-hmm. this idea of being you know now with the eco dharma group in the ebu under the banner of actually yeah eco dharma let's make uh, the dharma fused with sustainability and join that massive um, train of people going through the world at the moment because apparently according to one writer the biggest social movement in the history ever is that of people uh, joining together under sustainability and justice. Mm. But they're not organized under one organization, so that's why you won't see them as that big organization. But if you search you know, on that term, that is mobilizing an incredible number of people. So to join, to join that you know, and have a banner in that train, that I find very inspiring. That's great. And... Uh, I remember a very nice story you told yesterday at the dinner. Uh, it's a, a bit about activism. Uh, when the Christmas is coming and shopping centers are full of stuff and people shopping. So you had Santa Claus sitting on meditation in the uh, mall. Can you say a few words about this? Yeah, so uh, coming from the precept of living simply and of course not taken and not given, uh, because taking that uh, original Buddhist insight that, you know, things, they're not going to make us happy. And, of course, modern science has also discovered that in the last 40 years, that most of us in the West, we have so many things that more things isn't going to make us happy. So why do we want to give each other this stuff? So to really to bring this to people's awareness, you know, a number of us, and we teamed with another large uh, organization in Norway called The Future in Our Hands that are also working towards the same aim and decided to make um, a stunt. Uh, And so, yeah, a number of us, I think in one year we were seven, maybe the other year we were uh, maybe slightly more. Maybe next year we're going to be thousands of (laughs) (laughs) around Europe. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, that would be that would be beautiful. (laughs) And so then we would uh, just go into shopping malls and and sit down by an escalator or somewhere, Uh, you know, a group. Most people just sitting there, and the one person with leaflets handing out so postcards, just explaining briefly what we're on, suggest suggestions for alternative gifts for Christmas and you know how they could get in touch and we would be there for maybe 10-15 minutes until the security guard came and wondered where, what we were and if we were actually going to buy something and if you could please leave <laughs> and at one point uh, we weren't even able to sit down before the three security guards were saying you're not buying anything you're out of here <laughs> So but it was it was fun. Yes. Yeah, but it's just one great example of what you can actually do. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Let's share these experiences when we 
when we're doing this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and I think keeping it light and funny. Yes. Because I think there's ideas that were maybe, uh, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there's street parties. Mm. R- rather than just blocking a street, you organize a street party and have fun and invite all kinds of neighbors mm. to join in, and, you know, to, ha- to maintain that spirit mm. as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, usually when people also hear about um, sustainability, it's like, oh, sustainability. Mm. I have to um, hold back, so to speak. Mm. But it's really nice uh, w- um, to fuel that with inspiration mm. and also coming together. Mm. And uh, you were telling me about like ideas in the future for a camp, something like this together mm. under the topic of sustainability and to experience what it is actually about and could be light. Yeah, uh, uh, first of all, I, I, I need, really need to mention this magazine, Positive News, from the UK, which is now uh, such a delightful source of inspiration about all the good things that people are doing around the world. And so uh, one of the things that is close to my heart and what you talked about this living in nature, you know, we'd like to to create uh, a retreat center uh, and go on retreats with people into nature. And a friend of mine, Gurupati, uh, many years ago established Ecodharma in uh, Catalonia area in Spain, where people could come into a really remote part of the mountain, live very simply, uh, cultivate the, uh, the land, be together in silence and talking and be inspired. And at the moment, they are focusing more on going out to activist groups to teach meditation and communication with them. But I'm, I really, I missed going to the Ecodharma retreat center. So now I'm here at the EBU, I've been looking around, you know, is there anything like that happening? Mm-hmm. And so far I haven't found it, but we, are, we have a very small retreat center in Norway, just outside of Oslo. Um, that we want to put on some of these retreats and we are thinking well if there isn't much in in Europe then invite you know a larger audience maybe for some people you know to be there but and and experiment with the possibility of doing it hybrid because my partner Anna she's also uh, teaching uh, students of all kinds of uh, different schools how to enjoy nature and so Even though we, say, ten of us gather in a retreat at Skogli, at this retreat place, you know, and we meditate together indoors or outdoors and do exercises like slow walking in nature, like these mindful walks. And one way we're doing it, we're going in a line and, and Martin, maybe you go first. And so you just walk and whatever catches your eye, you just stop and maybe look at that tree stump. Mm-hmm. And we all gather around silently. And, and so this is what you noticed. And so then I look, ah, why did Martin notice that? Ah, ah see, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Then after a while, you know, you step back and then maybe I take the lead. And so I stroll on and, until something else catches my eye and I stop. And so we do that. And, and so those are kind of exercises. Then we could also inspire people who are there online to do their own exercises. Like Anna was doing one of these workshops that she was used to do in nature and now it had to be online globally and so she was going to do this with people from Dubai you know <laughs> indoor climate and oh. like 
So, well, find something living. <laughs> and they had a pot plant. And oh. so they went over and they, they, they looked and really looked at that palm as it was so inspiring, both for that student and for Anna. So it's possible. We just have to be creative. Mm-hmm. And I think this is so much um, in the spirit of sustainability that we have to be, you know, uh, creative and playful. Um, at least uh, when we can, at least part of it, mm-hmm. oh, and, that, and then of course comes the other, the other work, very much inspired by John and Macy, of actually also embracing the sadness, mm-hmm. and I think learning again to hold, you know, the sadness, the grief, and the pain, and even our own traumas. Uh, on 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 my last long retreat, I had this moment, you know, I was. Was um, kind of supervising someone who was really going through such a hard time. They had to leave the retreat, and this terrible story. And I was really, I was sitting there in the morning, and really taking this grief, and I was just, just so dark inside. You know, I, I knew there was meta there. Mm-hmm. I just I couldn't experience it. It just, just wasn't there. I, I couldn't. And I looked all around as, you know, as my inside practice and I saw the world was just going about its business, not caring what I felt or didn't feel. So it's this kind of, I was just a blip in the universe. And so then, but now, okay, so I finished the meditation and I knew, okay, I'd like to connect. And so I went out into the forest knowing that the chances are I'll somehow connect. And then after a while I look up at the tree and I see this squirrel having this um, cone running up the tree, sitting on a branch, quite high up. And the first time, it sits there looking at me, and me mm. looking at it. And it starts eating this cone whilst looking at me. And so this is a connection with nature, and I was just, I'm still moved when thinking about it. Mm. And then suddenly that whole darkness, it just disappears, like, like clouds separating. And you know the meta is flowing, and I'm with the universe, and and so 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 having those kind of experiences and knowing how to access it is is something that is so needed, mm-hmm. and it you, it needs to be taught for most people, because mm-hmm. sometimes by chance you will drop into these experiences, but if you're not trained to appreciate them, it's just ah that happened. Mm. This morning I also saw a squirrel. It was really lighting up the day, so I can connect <laughs> so to, to that. There are some squirrels here, yeah. yeah. So, what would you say is, um, or let's put it another way? Yesterday, you showed us a very nice picture of, uh, I think, um, of your uh, homeland, so to Lake, speak. Snow. Lakes, and with a banner, um, Tibetan flag banner there, and. Um, For me, it was like you bring the nature into this room already. Mm. So can you say something about your, your homeland, uh, where, where you're from, actually? Mm. Yeah, my, my great-grandfather was the uh, eldest son, son of a small farm uh, in this area. And he didn't want to take on the farm. So he wanted rather to you know, be the supervisor of a small uh, sawmill. Uh, you know, by by the lake, and so he uh, exchanged his um, as where. Well, so so he let the the farm go to his brother, and he had just a piece of land. 
hoping that he he could have. And then when he started working for the municipality in this sawmill, he could exchange that piece of land for a piece of land next to this lake. And so then he was working in this sawmill and building a house on this lake. And and I'm not I kind of occasionally I I really want to know how far back you know this generation goes at that land but as far as I'm concerned in the sense that is where I'm from <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so uh, but um, so my great grandfather had this piece of land with the house uh, quite a large piece of land and then during the second world war my grandmother his daughter and my great grandfather's uh, daughter was living in Oslo uh, working at the university but during the second world war in particular I think there was a great uh, explosion and the the resistance movement was getting more active so and she was to some extent involved in that uh, movement and I think she became scared I never talked to her about this I constructed this story later and so they they asked if they could have a little piece of land from my great grandfather's and and to build a hut and mm. which they did and so that's kind of where I grew up in the summers in this little cottage by this lake you know just having wonderful uh, experiences out swimming in the lake mm. you know, looking at squirrels playing you know uh, hunters and whatnot um, and uh, as I was growing up I really felt very fortunate and I was and already before becoming a Buddhist, the sense of wanting to share that somehow. Mm-hmm. And so w- when I became a Buddhist, I started uh, doing my solitary retreats there. And we organized a few you know, small retreats. And uh, at that one point we thought, and when I moved back to Norway from Manchester, you know, looking at this small garage that was there full of junk, I said, well, we could turn that into a small meditation hall. And so then we had a little community gathering, and so we converted that into a meditation hall. Mm-hmm. A couple of friends from Finland came over and had laid the <laughs> flooring in particular. And so then uh, so then we did that, and uh, a while later we were looking at this old boathouse. So we thought, well, we could turn that into a small dormitory. <laughs> And so we did. And so now we can house 10 people. 10 people can sleep there and meditate, you know, for small retreats. Wow. And so that's where, uh, you know, that, you know, having that, that precious kind of piece of land that, you know, isn't big enough to grow a forest, like Jake told about, but at least we grow some vegetables there and flowers mm. for the shrine, uh, you know, and then, you know, offer that to more people so, no, so that we have that this contract that the Oslo Buddhist Center is, as it were, responsible for a third. Mm. So they they could use it for mm. retreats for you know a third of the time. And my sister and I, you know, um, use divide also a third each, and then uh, they also take part in the maintenance. So yeah. this kind of partnering up, as we add into society to share our resources. I think that's in you know, a really a way to go and so to find ways to do that locally mm. you know not dream about some distant future but do it now yeah yeah maybe this is also something uh, for the our listeners to discover uh, where's your favorite spot in nature and maybe we have listeners who live in the city uh, but uh, you can go in the park and maybe yeah. you have a favorite spot there and just uh, sit there and do it maybe regularly every day or every week 
and go with the seasons and see what's happening there, what's changing there. This could be a, this is a, one of the teaching I received for people who even live in the cities to connect because in the city sometimes it's not that uh, easy, mm. but find your nature spot and come there regularly. And for some people that are not able to actually go outside, you can maybe have a home plant that mm. you really take care of and talk to. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, uh, research from, you know, uh, hospitals and uh, care homes, you know, very much support that if, mm. you know, patients who are given a, a plant to look after, you mm. know, actually speeds their recovery. And I think also, because I think in this world of sustainability, depending on your view of the world, I think it's important to feel that you can do something. Because it's easy to be overwhelmed and think, well, I can't control uh, the oil industry. You know, I can't uh, do this, that and the other. But what you can do, there's always something you can do. And so you might find your local park or a corner of your park that you find you like to go there and then take responsibility for it. You know, remove litter, you know, maybe water some, maybe even you go and plant some flowers, even though no one's given you, you allowed you to do that, just do that. Just to look, take care of your little corner of the universe mm -hmm. and, and know that that's your bit and go there, as you said, enjoy it. Yeah. This we all can do. Yeah. And I really like this uh, energy you just uh, presented from the workshop yesterday. Yeah. Um, it was really raising uh, ideas and then uh, committing to that. What will yes. you do? What? Uh, so it was really uh, encouraging me uh, from a passive state into an active mm. state. And as you said, um, every uh, everybody can do something mm. and let's do it. Mm. And uh, I recognize, uh, oh, I have to go out of my passive behavior mm. and uh, it's so easy actually mm. yeah and in in one of the groups of course and and uh, uh, frequent responses well i can't change the world mm -hmm. so so it's like this step is far too big mm. yeah. and and just stop it's like this we do this in meditation all the time you start mm. thinking about something else other than the breath or whatever and just mm. just just pause and say ah does is it true it, does the step have to be that big No, that was just a thought. Mm. Ah, let's think again. So can I take a small step? Mm. And this could, of course, be, you know, looking, cleaning out the park or mm. talking to your neighbor or mm. something. Yeah. Small steps are good steps. Small steps are good steps. Very good. Small steps are good steps. So I think we're coming to an end. Um, and um, Emilia, you will have the last words. Yes, thank you for taking this break with us. Thank you for reminding us of our roots and how to take care of it, them <laughs> and us. Thank you. Th thank, thank you. And um, well, well, really, thank you. Thank you for uh, letting me remind you. And I also, it's like one of my current actions, you know, that I took myself and I signed up in the workshop myself is this oh it's like a eco-buddhist training or even like an eco-sattva training you know to as I said before 
and as I think we all appreciate the need for training, you know, in the, in the, if you're going to awaken, we need training, you know, that we take from the Buddha. So also engage in in some kind of training to to find out how to combine your Dharma practice and your Dharma training with sensible, sustainable activities. And so, yeah, so look for, for that kind of training. I'll see you there. Let's connect. Thank you very much. Thank you.